This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. I want you to take out your worship guide and the notes that say, reach for joy. Can we say that together? Reach for joy. A lot of times people are reaching for a lot of different things. They're reaching for happiness. But reaching for happiness and reaching for joy are two totally different things. And so we're going to talk about that today uh, from uh, our fourth chapter that we're going to dive into the next couple of weeks. The fourth chapter of Philippians. So if you have a Bible, uh, go to Philippians chapter 4. We're just going to see the first six verses. Uh, Now, at the end, we're going to kind of dive into verse 6. But don't worry, okay, if if you think I just kind of brushed over it, we're going to kind of come back to verse 6 next week as well. Okay, so you, you can kind of keep that in the back of your mind. And I'm so thankful for uh, our worship team. I'm so thankful for every, every person who, who came in this morning to work. And uh, we, we have such an amazing team. Um, and uh, we're, we're thrilled with uh, how God is using them. And uh, we're, we're excited about what God's going to do um, uh, today as well through this passage. This passage has been a huge encouragement to me in the past, but you know, I feel like sometimes the Lord has a passage in our lives for a specific time, for a specific purpose. And this passage might not speak to you. This passage might not be something that uh, is what, you know, is really, really needed for you right in this moment. But for me it was, and, and so I want to unpack this a little bit. And, uh, and I want to just say, just right out of the gate, um, that when I was studying uh, Philippi and, and Paul going to Philippi, you know, you, there's a lot of information around surrounding that. I mean, he saw a dream, and this guy's in Macedonia saying, we need you, like, we want you to come. We want you to start a church in Macedonia. And so that's why he goes from Troas, um, and he sails over. In fact, I think this, this was his uh, second missionary journey. I think we have a video to kind of show you exactly where he went. Um, you know, he starts uh, over in Antioch, and then he goes through what would be modern-day Turkey, uh, Tarsus, where he was from, Derby, Lystra, Iconium, okay? Uh, and then he goes all the way to the, the coast, okay, uh, of Troas, which is kind of near Ephesus, but then he, he's starting this church in Philippi. And, uh, and then, of course, he lands uh, down in Athens, Greece. So this is all modern-day Greece, but, but Philippi was the first stop uh, in, in, in his missionary journey on the continent of Europe. And, um, in fact, in Acts chapter 16, which we'll look at um, on the night of our gala, Acts chapter 16, he, he says that this was the chief city in Macedonia. And, uh, and he mentions that as, as it was a big deal because this group of people uh, were, were all about their citizenship. Um, in fact, in, in Acts uh, 6, I think it's Acts 16, 24, it talks about how they were a colony. They were proud to be a colony of Rome. We've talked about that before. Um, but one of the tenets of the Roman citizenship, like one of the things they would say was the unending pursuit of happiness. 
And that's one of the things that our founding fathers kind of picked up on and ran with as well. And, uh, and of course, we know that, that, that our founding fathers, you know, would, you know, put, put that, you know, into our, the, the fabric of, of how we wrote the Constitution and, and, and kind of structured thing. Um, that, that, you know, some, that, that we all have inalienable rights that are given to us by God. And, and, and the pursuit of happiness is one of those, right? But I think sometimes we get subconsciously wrapped up in the pursuit of happiness and we miss the pursuit of joy. And so, when Paul turns the corner in chapter 4, he's going to talk about the pursuit of joy, and he's not going to mention happiness. I want you to know the Bible does mention happiness. I want you to know that God wants you to be happy. But I also want you to know this, that more than God wants you to be happy, he wants you to be healthy. You've heard me say that before. What does that mean? It means this, that the pursuit of happiness is far less important than the pursuit of joy. In fact, over 300 times the Bible mentions joy and, over th- and just under 30 times it mentions happiness. So it's really important for us to get that because culture wants you to think that happiness is the chief goal. That happiness, if you're happy, then, then everything else is, is just kind of a side, side note. But, but I want to reach out, instead of happiness, I want to reach out for joy. And I want to talk about the difference. Now, let's look at verse number one, okay, because this is not a talk from me. This is, a, this is straight from these six verses. We're going we're gonna to talk through these. Verse number one says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved. Okay? So, uh, in Greek, it would sound like eldelphias, um, uh, you know, agapaos, and then, and then the longed for is, is, this, is this word that's even deeper than Beloved. I mean, he's like, listen, I am into you. And then he says, my joy, my crown of rejoicing. Now, the word crown is used a lot in the New Testament. It's used in many different ways. Uh, but it's actually very similar to the word prize that we studied last week. Okay? But the word for joy is a different word. And it would have actually, th- this phrase in, in Greek would have rhymed. It would have sounded very pithy. Okay? So they all end in os. Okay? Um, except for joy. It, it, was, it, was, it was this different word. It almost would stand out. It's almost like if you were writing a sentence and you put a word in there that didn't fit, and you're just kind of like, that doesn't fit. Like, that, that doesn't, that's not how we would use it, Paul. And Paul was trying to make a point that would stand out in their minds to say, no, no, no. God uses you to cause me joy but he doesn't use you to cause me joy like you think he's going to use you. Like, I don't just get joy when you give me something. I don't just get joy when something's going good. No, no, no. What God is doing in you is working joy in me. Do you guys see the difference there? Okay, so, so, so this word joy, guys, go back to the word joy because it is the word kara. But, 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 and it actually, technically, if you want to get super technical, it sounds like you're clearing your throat, to be honest with you. And if, and if you speak Greek in here, or you are from Greece, I'm so sorry, but that's just my, you know, blunt way of saying it. So, you know, bless you. Um, and so it's a deep-seated uh, reason for gladness. It's unwavering delight. But I want to see that at the end of this, we're going to really understand how it's more about alignment and flow. Now, you may have never heard that before, and honestly, I didn't understand that. I, I'm just learning this stuff with you. We're growing together. Um, 
that, that jo- joy is, is more about flow. It's more about alignment than anything else. But then he continues, and verse number two says this. Verse number two says, I beseech Odious and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. It's not talking about strength, okay? Um, we'll talk about what it's talking about in a second. Help those women which are uh, which labored with me in the gospel. I always get a kick out of people who feel like the Bible devalues women. Uh, it goes out of its way to value women. Okay, so that's just a side note. Um, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Now, if you were just kind of lost in that, I want to point out something that Paul is really, really going out of his way to point out. Same mind, yoke fellow, fellow laborers. You see the same, it's the same mind, yoke fellow, fellow laborers. What does that mean? Well, let's break them down. Uh, same mind is this phroneo. It's, it means to seek the same view, okay? Um, you know, if you've ever been trying to see something on a, on a, in the sky or, or, or a little bit different, no, no, no. So see that speck way over there? Just go like one finger over. You know, you're trying to describe it. I still don't see it. Okay, whatever, you know. So they're seeking the same view, to have the same attitude, um, to come to the same understanding, okay? And, and then he says, so, so yeah, it's about your view, it's about your attitude, but it's, it's, it's about the purpose of why you want that view and attitude. So he says, yoke fellow. Well, when he would have said yoke fellow, they would have known that, that, that he was using this Agarian term uh, for, for cultivating soil. You would put two oxen that were really paired well together. You would put them in the same yoke, but when he said yoke fellow, it would be like, you know, people. So we're talking about not oxen here, okay? We're not talking about, you know, your, your, your business. We're talking about people. So uh, paired together for a reason, different on purpose, okay? So uh, it took Danielle and I a few years to realize that our, we could have unity despite our diversity, okay? Everything that was unlike her dad, in me, okay, wasn't terrible, uh, inherently evil, okay, and everything that I saw in her that was different than I was used to, okay, uh, that was no longer like, you know, a, a complete and utter disappointment, okay, so once we kind of figured out that, that the fact that we're different is actually okay, all right, it really was a big help, and it took us far too long to figure that out, okay, but um, it's a perfect companion. Now, the cool thing about this word is that it does not mean that, that you, that it is something, someone that is perfect. It's that when you're together, you can do some things that are near to perfect. And so then he continues and he says, but it's also about being a fellow laborer. Now this is when it gets a little bit more personal because it's the word for synergy. It's the synergion. And we've talked about this word a lot in church, but it's talking about helping each other go further. It's about pulling in the same direction. It's better together than separate. It's this synergy that one person can do a lot, but two, two people can do even more than both people separate. So it's that synergy, right? It's that togetherness. Why did he say this? Well, <laughs> Paul's quite a guy, and he calls people out. Now, you don't know who Odious and Syntyche are, okay? But I want to introduce them to you today because I think it's important. 
I think it'll help you in relationships. I think it'll help you to understand this passage. So if I were to kind of explain how this was going to unfold, I'd have to tell you how they were reading this. So Paul would tell to Gaius what the Holy Spirit was leading him to say. Gaius would write it down on these huge pieces of of parchment. They would roll it up, okay, and there would be these massive rolls. In fact, there were actual guys who their number one job to be paid was to carry these big rolls of parchment on their back. They were very heavy. In fact, it was over 50 pounds. So the letter to the church of Philippi, okay, um, when, when, when um, you know, they, it was being carried, all right, and, and some believe that, you know, Timothy took a turn, okay, um, but, I mean, uh, Epaphroditus carried these things, uh, you know, uh, it was just kind of a, 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 a different story, okay, so we can just pick it up very easily, but back then they didn't have that. They would unroll them at the synagogue or at the church, and then one person, okay, who was, who was, you know, a scribe or someone who could, who could read really well, would read the letter out loud, and they would read it over and over and over again. So they couldn't take it home. They would have to come, and they would hear it. So Paul is calling these people out in front of all of their congregation. So let me do that, okay? This is how it feels. So at this piano right here is Sarah. She plays. And this is Janice. Okay, so if you didn't know them, now you do. All right? And Janice and Sarah know I love them. I mean, I, Danielle and I have known them a long time. I mean, they're, they're, they're really, really good. But they need to get on the same page. They need to get, now, there's not a huge issue, okay? So I'm not trying to, like, call them out for real, okay? But, but do you see that tension? Like, that got awkward really fast, right? Like, well, th- there's a problem here, right? <laughs> like, like c- should we deal with this afterwards, you know? That's exactly how they felt. Like, oh, 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 we know them. <laughs> Paul, you, c- you couldn't have said, can everyone work together? Like, you couldn't have used general terms? I mean, he's calling people out. No, not general. You two, get on the same page. <laughs> like, okay, Paul, you got it. You know, do we have to read that part again when we read it again? You know, can you leave that out, right? So no. He's saying, I, I, I want this. But, but Paul was very, very sp- explicit in the illustrations he used. And he was actually using their relationship as an illustration. Now, you may believe something different, and you totally can, because we don't know exactly. I don't think that Odius and Syntyche were in a fight. I don't think that at all. Okay, because I think he would have said what they were fighting about, because he did that to other churches. I actually think they were perfect together, but they were so different. And let me prove that to you. Okay, what does odious mean? Well, the word odious means this. It means well wishes. It means successful journey. Bon voyage. I mean, it's like hello, sweet fragrance. Have you ever met someone like that? Now you're probably sitting there thinking, yeah. You're kind of like that sweet journey stuff. Okay, I get it, okay? My wife's not. She's always like, you know, you're, you're, you're way too, like, loud. You know, like, you're just, like, out, you know, man, those people, like, turn it down. Like, you know, and, and I'm like, wow, I just, that's, that's me. I'm sweet, fragrance, happy journey guy, okay? But I'm so thankful that there's people on our team, okay, who aren't odious. They're Cintiki. And 
and, and Syntyche, okay, they, they seem to be happy, okay, they pretend to be pleasant, but, but it, also, it also can mean birth pains. Now you say, well, that's really negative. No, 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 no. You want birth pains. You're here because someone went through them. And so it's, it's, it's they're, they're pleasant. They're not mean, okay? So the whole pretending part, that's, that's, that's fine. I mean, they're, but on the inside, they're all business. They're ready to go. They're organized, okay? But they're internal. They're thinking through things, okay? Now, this would not happen, church, if I did not have some people thinking through some things, okay? <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So, so they're thinking through some things. There's some people doing some things behind the scenes here, and, and, and they're syntiki. But you have to have odious, and you have to have syntiki. You have to have both. And some people make fun of syntiki. They call her suntachi. Whatever, okay? So you can, do, you can make fun of other people's differences, but you need them to be successful in any relationship. And here's why I say that. Because Paul was saying, you're very different, but you're in the same yoke for the same reason. You're very different, but, but your fellow laborers, you're working for the same, you're, you, hey, you're very different, but have the same mind, or be on the same page. Well, what is the point? What is the same page? Well, some people, man, they can pretend to be happy, but, but, and, 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 and pleasant, but, but listen, joy only comes from Jesus. Paul was trying to say, listen, your happiness is not based on who's in the yoke next to you. Your happiness is based on who you're looking toward. That's the whole point of this passage. And so when Jesus said, rejoice because your names are in heaven, I believe Paul was echoing that in verse number four. Now let's look at that. In, in verse number four, it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, Jesus said multiple times rejoice. And then he says, again, I say rejoice. Verse 5 says, though, he says, um, we're just going to go through the passage. We'll come back to it, guys. Um, so verse 5 and 6 talk about letting our moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And then verse number 6 says um, that, that we're, we're making our requests known. And then verse number 7, which I know we don't have, we're going to cover next week, says, um, says that, that the Lord is is your, your names are written in heaven. Um, I'm sorry, no, it is verse number four, so I was wrong. So, so verse number four says, whose names are written in the book of life. And, and, and that's, there's, that's, that's a, a whole other topic for another day, but everyone in here, your name is either written in the Lamb's book of life because you received Jesus as your personal Savior, or it's not. You say, wow, that's really, really just kind of out there really harsh. And, and, and I say that, that it seems like that, but I mean, think about this. That one person's name would be written in the Lamb's Book of Life should cause us joy. One person. Now, there are probably a lot of us in this room who have trusted Jesus as our Savior, and we want our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We believe our names are, based on what the Word of God says. But if you're sitting in here, you're like, I don't know if my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, what does that mean? Well, it means that the Lamb paid to get your name on the list. And, and, and he's saying the greatest reason for your joy is not what's happening right now. It's what's going to happen later. Okay? At the end of time, at the end of the age of grace, God's going to say, okay, whose name's on the list? 
And it's not going to be religion, and it's not going to be all of your good deeds, and it's not going to be all the things, well, you know, your good deeds outweighed. No, 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 no. Because if that's the case, then Jesus dying on the cross was pointless. Because it's, it's not enough, right? And you're gonna, it's like Jesus plus, no, it's, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so we, we, we come to the, the, the Lamb's book of life and we say, okay, so, so now here's the focal point. Now we, now we get it. Now we understand. And, and we're rejoicing and, and, and we're focusing on that. So there are three descriptions. I'm going to go through these very quickly. I, I, I took the first half to really kind of build this up because I don't want you to misunderstand what we're saying here, okay? Uh, there are three descriptions for true joy and, and this is lasting joy. This is not like temporary stuff, okay? Now, I could have just thrown that out there and it would have been like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, give us those descriptions. Okay, pastor, that's good. But I want you to get that, that he's not ignoring the tension. He's not talking about joy and ignoring the diagnosis. He's not talking about joy and ignoring the, the relationship struggle or ignoring the financial difficulty. He's not. He's just saying it transcends it. He's saying you can be extremely burdened and have joy. Whoa. How? How? He's going to tell us how. Number one, joy is a choice God enables. Joy is a choice that God enables. So joy is not something that I do. It's something that God does in me. Let's see how that works. Verse number four says, rejoice in the Lord. Now this is a imperative. The imperative for rejoice uh, is the word, um, it's a lot like the word kara, but it's, it's this word kario. It means to be glad, um, to, to be joyful. Uh, it's a reoccurring decision that must happen. Okay, so it's a choice. And, and specifically, in this passage, when it says rejoice in the Lord always, that's a tough word, okay? Always, like really? Always? Okay. And then he says, and again I say rejoice. So, so what he's painting, the picture is that you need to make this choice, and then right when you don't want to, make it again. So it's a choice, but it's a choice that God enables. So here's the key thought from this passage, and it is that joy is an inner disposition regardless of a situation or a circumstance. So there are a lot of situations and circumstances in this room. I'm not aware of all of them, but I'm aware of a lot of them. And I pray and we, we give it to the Lord, but this is what Jesus said, okay? He said in verse number 15, or verse number 11 of John 15, he says this. He says, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be what? Full. Now here's why we don't have full joy. Johnny, come on up here, okay? One of the most joyful people I've ever met, okay? Um, and uh, Johnny is going to uh, illustrate this. I'll let you grab the stuff because I can never find it, okay? Um, but, but Johnny's going to illustrate the difference between um, having half joy and full joy. So Jesus said we can have full joy, okay? But, but, but I, I want to I show you that, that oftentimes the world points a target called happiness. And it says, uh, if you're going to be happy, okay, you got to hit a certain target. Like, like if you miss the target, you're not going to be happy. Like, like if you don't get the bonus, right? I mean, if your kids are, you know, just 
really out of their minds in a given day, you, 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 the target's been missed, and, and you're not going to be happy, right? And so, so what happens is we go through life really focused and really trying our very dead-level best to hit the target. So I will buy you a steak dinner if you hit this target, okay? You can, you can, no, 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 back up a little bit, back up a little bit, okay? So, so I want you to hit this target. I'm fairly certain you're not going to hit the target, but I want you to try, okay? I want you to try. All right, give, give, it, give it your best shot. Give it your best shot. Now, that wasn't fair. It wasn't fair because I moved the target. I'm going to give you another chance just to be fair. I moved the target. Well, let me tell you something about happiness. The target's always moving. So right when you think, oh, that will really make me happy, man. If I just, man, you know what? I know it's going to make me happy. And then right, when you, right about when you reach for it, it's gone. Or right when you get it, you're like, oh, oh that, didn't, that didn't work. Oh, but I know. Oh, have you seen that new fill in the blank? It's over that, that, that one. Uh, oh, did you? Oh, my goodness. That's the goal. That's the target. Here's the crazy thing, though. Even if the target doesn't move, and it always does, even if the target doesn't move, okay, and you hit it, all right, go ahead. See the point? You just got to keep hitting it. You just got to keep hitting it. And you might miss, and you might make it, and it might be happy for a little bit, but how'd that make you feel? We're going to dinner sometime, probably next year. He had it. I'll take him to dinner. I like, I like hanging out with this guy. See what I mean? Even when you hit it, it's kind of like, what? Why? And I have siblings. This is real life for me, guys. I mean, I, I have siblings and friends that are just like, yeah, okay. Well, I got the promotion, but what's the point? <laughs> Do you see what I mean? It's just like there's joy. There's, there's so much joy when, when, when you just say, ah, forget this, man. Like, like, come on. I mean, really? Really? This is it? Like, like this, is what we're, this is what life is worth? Thank you. So, the point about rejoicing always is so less important than put the verse up there again. When it says, rejoice, and I want you to say the rest of verse number four. Chapter four, verse number four. Rejoice, What? In the Lord. So we want to rejoice always, but we forget the whole in the Lord part. So, so it's rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, and again, I'm, I'm going to say it again because you need it again. Uh, rejoice. <laughs> so this is the key thought, uh, or this is the key kind of takeaway that I want you to get, okay? And that is in moments of dullness and disappointment, we must make the choice to to rejoice. It, it's, it's easy to rejoice when everything's going good, but in the, those moments of dullness, in the in-between moments, in the moments of disappointment, you have to make that choice. Now, Jesus talked a lot about this, okay? And I don't have time to give you all of his words, but I want you to have his words so you don't take my word for it, okay? So if you're brand new to church or faith or anything, let me just say that, that everything I'm saying here is like, this is a Jesus thing, okay? He, he really, really would not let this point go, because he knew that their heartstrings were t attached to something that was going to move, it was going to disappoint them. So in the face of disappointment, in the face of worry, in the face of anxiety, here's what Jesus said. Matthew 6, 24 says this. Take no thought 
for the morrow. For the morrow will take, tomorrow will take care of, uh, take thought for the things of itself. You mean, I'm not supposed to think about what's happening? How do I plan? No, he talked about planning. Let me sit down and think about it before you build a tower and all of that. I mean, he talked about planning. But he said, if you're going to let tomorrow hijack today, say bye-bye to joy. So you can't let the past or the future hijack the present. He said, you, you can't do that. Don't live in tomorrow. Don't live in the past. And, and there's other verses where he talked about not living in the past, but he says this, sufficient is unto the day is the evil of He's like, you got all you can handle today, friend. You got all you can handle today. You want to worry about tomorrow? Okay. But it's going to steal from what I gave you today. You see, a lot of times why I don't have joy is because I'm looking down the horizon and I'm looking over my shoulder and instead of looking where I need to be looking, I'm looking back or I'm looking forward, but man, I need to be joyful in the moment. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So it's not just a choice though because a lot of you will get frustrated with this and I have been frustrated with this before. You say, okay, I'll make the choice. I'm making the choice to rejoice. You know what I mean? And and listen, I I love you guys, and I've been here. But you're like, some of you stroll in like, this is my only day off. And I'm a little off. (laughs) And And I'm just like one bad look away from going devil on someone. So just stay back. I don't wake up until noon. Your service is at 10.30, back up. So I get this, because the choice part seems like fake. That's what people don't like. You know, they, they're like, oh, you know, you guys act so happy, and you're like celebrating about Jesus and, and like, acting like nothing's wrong. No, 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 no. We're saying it's a choice, but we're not saying it's a choice that we have the power to make. We're saying it's a choice to rejoice that God enables us to make. So number one, put up number one again, Number one is, it's a, it's a choice, it's a decision that God enables. But I want you to see number two, because joy is not just a choice that God enables. Joy is a gift God gives. It's a gift that God gives. So when he gives you the grace, when he enables you to make that choice, there's a purpose for why he enabled you to make that choice. And you say, well, well how does that all work? Well, look at verse number five. Because anytime you're reading the Bible, and tonight we're going to talk about Bible meditation, Bible study. If you want to learn how to study the Bible better, I'm going to give you some practical uh, helps on that. But anytime you're reading the Bible and a verse just seems like it doesn't fit, like this one, you need to say, oh, what is it trying to say? Like, like it should fit, right? <laughs> but, but it doesn't seem like it. So it says, let your moderation be known. Upon wait, wait a second. Let's go back to the rejoice part. How does that connect to this? Joy, moderation. What is moderation, you know? Well, it's this word. Uh, It's the word uh, epikeus. It it means to be gentle, to feel empathy, okay? Which which is not sympathy, okay? Empathy, sympathy is feeling bad for someone, okay? Empathy is feeling what other people feel, for real. So so you're, you're you're putting yourself in their shoes, and you're willing to do something about it. And, and, and so you're feeling empathy toward, toward someone, but, but it, it's to like or enjoy investing into others. And it specifically means to yield or be given to unbiased generosity. Generosity on. Generosity on. 
So uh, whatever that word is. But, but anyway, I think it's supposed to say generosity. So here, here's the point. Is if we can let our hearts rejoice, that's a choice, then God will give us the gift of joy through the process of generosity. Through the process of moderation. Not just generosity for generosity's sake, checking the box, but generosity through making a priority on a other's mentality. Now, what, is, what does this look like, okay? Well, let me give you a real-life illustration. A couple years ago, there was a fitness coach in Fargo, North Dakota, which, long story, I'll tell you the long story later, but Fargo, North Dakota is where I was working a summer job when God uh, told me I needed to come to California. It's a long story, and I'll, and I'll, I'll say more on the night of the gala, so come that night, okay? Uh, but but all, all that to say, Fargo, North Dakota, they have this really cool thing where they, where they help kids uh, with fitness, like help them in, they, they do a lot of fun things, okay? But one fitness coach got a really big burden for kids who couldn't work out, kids, kids who, who had, uh, you know, disabilities or, or, or who, who had, you know, had many, many surgeries and couldn't, couldn't work out. So he was trying to help them enjoy being active even when they couldn't. I want you to, I want you to watch this. I think this will, this will illustrate the point more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. Yep. Here we go, boy. Oh, yeah. And what you just witnessed is a coach who honestly could be doing anything else with his time, but he decided to take a young man who had never been on a trampoline because of his disability, and he decided to put aside his joy for a second, and he decided to pour out a little of himself, just a little, in order for that young man to have joy. The incredible thing was not the the, the, the smile on the little boy's face, it was a smile on the coach's face. Because the greatest way to have joy is to give it away to others. And so what moderation's saying is you cannot try to find joy because the moment you start looking selfishly for it, you lose it. The moment you start to pour it out into others, you receive it. So Paul talked about this other places. I don't have time to study this, but, but in fact, he, he mentioned the fact that God wants us to be happy. I said that, okay? So in Timothy, it, it, to, to, to Timothy, he, ha- he gave him a charge, okay? And, and he said, I want you to talk to other people about being generous, okay? And he said this, charge them that are rich in this world. Did you walk in here? Some of you maybe didn't, but most of us walked in here. You are rich in this world. Are you breathing? You're rich in this world. Do you have a how, do you have a do you have a, a a home? You have a car. You are rich in this world. You say, no, I'm not rich. I mean, have you seen my bank account? I'm not talking about that. He's saying more than just now. He is talking about money in this passage, but he's talking specifically about the the spirit of generosity. Charge them that are rich in this world. They be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Listen, if God's blessed you 
with, with things or, or, or money, God gave that to you, and he wants you to enjoy it, and he wants you to be happy with it, right? I don't disparage anyone who God has poured out their blessings tangibly, but God has poured out his blessings on all of us. It's not just we measure things with a wrong metric. And so he says, do good, uh, that they do good, that they may be rich in good works and ready to distribute and willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay a hold on eternal life. You see, there's certain things that you can only grasp when you start to let go of it. And if you are willing to let go, and, and one of the things that, that, that I've uh, really, really known is I do not want to sell you short by telling you that you don't need to be generous. Everyone in this room needs to be generous with your time, with your talents, uh, with your treasure. We're taking an offering in two weeks, and, and I'm just letting you know that that generosity is an opportunity. And if you're like, oh, I don't want to give, please don't. Please don't. Why? Because you, that spirit... I'd, I would rather you fall in love with Jesus before you write a check. Now, if you want to give a million dollars with a bad spirit, I'll take it. All I'm trying to say is that generosity is not for me. It's not for the church. Friend, it's for you. And I would, I would be selling you short not to tell you that the, that the most joyful people in the world have been people who have not hoarded. They've just poured into others. Some of the happiest people in this room, and I use that as, as, as the worldly sense that they're looking, everyone's looking for happiness. Some of the most joyful people are people who have given away things, and people are like, oh, they, they did that? I didn't know they did. I didn't know they did that. And it's been so much fun the last you know, couple weeks to hear all of these stories of, 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 of generosity that Kobe Bryant has all over L.A. County, all over Orange County. He did things when no one was looking. Why? Because he, he at some point knew that, that holding on to it. How many of you know he had some resources? How many of you know he had some stuff he could have held on to? But what, how, how many of you are, 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 are thankful for someone who's just like, hey, listen, I'm just going to pour it in. I don't care who sees it. I don't care if there's people watching. I'm just going to pour out my life. And so joy is always a byproduct of genuinely wanting to be generous toward others. And so the key thought is it's impossible to be full of yourself and full of joy at the same time. You cannot be so full of yourself that you, that you reject others. And so God gives, here's the takeaway, God gives more consistent, sustainable joy to those who are consistently trying to give it away. Do, do you know what joy uh, is? It's the light in your lamp. As a Christian, it's the light in your lamp. And if you're not willing to share with others, if you're not willing to give to others, do you know you are? You're a lamp without a light. Joy is the light in your lamp, friend. Your smile is the billboard for Jesus. You, and, and if we're not willing to, to, to see a need and meet that need, and, and, and we're not willing, we're, we're a lamp without a light. And so it, I think it's really, really important for us to understand that joy is a choice God enables. Joy is a gift God gives. And then number three, and we're finished. Joy is an alignment with God's reality. Now, my reality is so much different than God's reality, and I'm just being really transparent with you. My reality is I want people to respect me. I was in line to get some food yesterday. I've been waiting in line for a while. 
A little group of people cut right in front of me. Everything in me wanted to say, the back of the line is right there. And just to be honest with you, if they didn't know I was a pastor, I would have said that. (laughs) I use that as an illustration to say, we all have to make some perspective, some some reality changes. And, And in the moment of choice where we say, well, this is my reality, we have to ask, oh, what's God's reality? How can I line up with that? And that seems a little bit uh, elusive, maybe, but, but I want you to see why this is so important. And again, we're going to, don't worry, we're going to cover this uh, verse a little bit next week as well. But this, is what it, this is what verse number six says. So convicting. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. Everyone say everything. Everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. Okay, so what does be careful mean? This is tough, okay, and I, I know this is, a, this is a tender subject, okay, so, but, but here's what it means. When it says be careful for nothing, it, it means this. It's, it's, it's this word, Mary, no. Mary, are you Mary? No. No, you're not. No, it, it's, 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 it's to break it up, it's Mary literally means to stay, and uh, same root word, bless you, same root word is like marriage and stuff, so, so to stay, and then, but, but it, the, the M and N, uh, the, 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 the end wins out, so it's just no, or no. So, Mary, no. To stay divided, to be anxious, to be obsessed over, to be constantly worried about something. God says, there's not one thing that I can name that I want you to worry about. And if you're worrying, you're not trusting. And if you're anxious, I'm, I'm sorry, but I got to say it. If you're anxious, you're not believing. You're not believing. You, you can say that you, you, you trust, and I can say that I trust. And listen, this is hard for me. God, God knew I needed this as well. But, but here's the key thought, that only the Holy Spirit can turn the energy from worry into genuine dependency. And let me tell you, here's why he says don't worry, but, but pray. <laughs> oh, that helped me, Paul. Thank you. I'll just pray and worry at the same time, okay? Well, hold on. Here's what it means. He, he's literally saying the breath of dependency is prayer. The longer you pray, the less you worry. And the less you pray, the more you worry. So, he says, In in order to have the foundation for joy, you have to come back to who's the source of it. It's God. I'm not going to seek a person or a path or a position to fill my joy because it'll always leave me empty. I'm going to seek Jesus for my joy. And so when we understand the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Next week, we're going to talk about peace. Holy Spirit is the source. And, and in fact, Jesus said in John 16, verse number 23, in that day, you shall ask nothing. Yeah, you, you're not going to ask me anything in that day. And he says, really, I say unto you, whosoever shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. 
And then, and then he really calls out the disciples. He says, here in two, you've asked me nothing in my name. He's like, I would have been giving you stuff all the time. You didn't ask. You say, oh man, I really need it. Let me ask you a question. If all of your prayers came true from last week, how different would this week be? Have you, have you been praying about it or have you just been worrying about it, right? He says, ask and you shall receive that your joy might be what? Full. So the key to joy, seeking Jesus. So when we align our timelines and our expectations in God's unchanged, with God's unchanging revelation, his truth, his reality, we can trade our constant stressing for an internal blessing of joy. That's the key. So let me illustrate it this way. Okay? Let me illustrate it this way. Johnny, come back up. Okay? Because I, I kind of did Johnny dirty. Uh, and Ricardo, I'm going to need you here as well. Okay? <clears throat> Don't worry, guys. Come on, come on. Some of you are like, I mean, yeah, this is a good point. But, I mean, <laughs> until someone pokes an eye out. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Just hold on. Okay, yeah, he has glasses, that's good. Thank you, okay? So the pursuit of happiness is, if you throw it, maybe you'll hit it. Even if you're close, you're good. But the pursuit of Jesus says, and, 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 and here's the point, here's the takeaway. This is the biggest thing of all, and if you forget everything, I want you to remember this. Happiness is a moving target, but joy is a fixed goal, and the goal is Jesus. Let me say it again. Happiness is a moving target, but joy is a fixed goal, and the goal is Jesus Christ. So, so family, let me just say something, and I want you to always remember this picture, because I needed this this week, okay? Because every time we go forward, there's resistance, there's, there's trials, right? So we all have them. But, but what, I, what I fail to remember sometimes, and I want to remember it, I, wanna, I want it to be burned in my heart and mind, is that it's not about my ability to throw and hit a target. It's that the closer I am, the easier it is to hit the target. Friend, it's not about your ability. It's about your proximity. The closer you are, the more joy comes, the more you want to give it away. And so, friend, you want to hit the target of joy. It's not hard. Get close. You can be as close to Jesus as you want to be. And friend, you just can't hold on to what you're holding on to and Jesus at the same time. So friend, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're always going to be hitting the wrong target because it's moving. But Jesus isn't going anywhere. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Man, he's seeking you. He's, he's nigh. He's at hand. In fact, verse number five, it says he's right there. I mean, look, put up verse number five. I want you to see this. This is what I want in, in your mind, that he's right there. Verse number five says, the Lord is at hand. He, he's, he's, he, his hand's out. Friend, he's calling you. Like, come. Like, let's talk together. Like, man, I don't have a relationship with you, but I want one. Joy is serving Jesus. Joy is living close, close enough to Jesus that you want to give joy away others. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.